As we begin this morning, I just want to say that I appreciate your prayers. I have felt them. There's been clarity. There has been God is definitely moving. We want to continue to pray for unity within the body of believers. We want to continue to pray for wisdom as far as for our deacons, uh, for David and Jimmy and Bill. Uh, We just need to continue to pray for one another, amen, and to pray for our church. But I can tell you that I uh, have felt your prayers Uh, The Lord has been giving some clarity as far as in the message preparation and what he is showing me. Uh, I think he is definitely at move and at work. Many of you have told me stories. We might not have grown numerically at Bible Fellowship yet, but there has been depth. Amen. And that's what we really need before we ever see any other saints come into the house of God is that we've got to be on a track of growing ourselves. We have got to be studying the word and be prepared. And thank you for those ladies I don't really think there are any men, so I'm not excluding them. But those ladies who prepare every Sunday for children's church or for nursery, and they are prepared. Now, sometimes they don't have to, they don't have to put that plan into action. But thank you for being prepared. Amen? We need to be prepared. That will come out in today's message as well. So as we go really quickly, I want us to go into our second part of this series. We started last week. It's called The Christian Who Won't Quit. The Christian Who Won't Quit. Really briefly, I just want to give you a quick overview for those visitors, those who might have been out last week. And plus, y'all, I need it too. Sometimes I get in the middle of the week and somebody say, well, what did you preach about on Sunday? And it's like, I might remember one or two points, but we need to be reminded of certain things. So we're going to be in the book of Acts. You'll take your copy of God's Word and go ahead and turn to the book of Acts, the New Testament, past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then you see the book of Acts. So the Acts of the Apostles will very well be how it is uh, titled in your copy of God's Word. And this accurately reflects the contents of the books, right? They're short vignettes. They're They're short stories. They're short retellings that chronicled the lives of the key apostles, especially Peter and Paul, in the decades immediately following Christ's ascension into heaven. I reminded you last week of this, and I think it's important for us to remember. And we need to see this correlation in the lives of the disciples, but we also need to look at our own selves, right? We need to look at the mirror as we talked about this morning in, with the Sunday school class that I'm leading. And listen, that is that clearly the, the, the apostles' faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus produced a noticeable change in their hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? If you are living for and seeking Jesus and have committed your life to following Him, there should be a noticeable change in your hearts, in your words, and in your deeds. Amen? And so here we see, when we look into the Gospels, we see men that are afraid. We see men that when Jesus went into the garden to pray, He said, y'all stay here and pray. He goes in and He's praying by Himself and He comes back out and He's like, hey, What are y'all doing sleeping? I told you to pray, right? They had doubts, but then the Holy Spirit comes and they are empowered. They're empowered so much so that the people around them think that they're drunk. They're drunk with wine, but they're not drunk with wine. They are filled with the spirit. Amen. 
So last week we said that we're to point others to Christ. That was a little sub-point I made at the very end. And in pointing others to Christ, I gave you a quick acronym that we're to pray for others. We're to pray for opportunities to connect. We're to pray for the salvation of others. We're to pray for their walk. And we're to pray for needs in their lives. Just like this morning when I mentioned the Connect cards. Connect cards are important. Why? Because we want to be able to pray for the needs in your life. We want to be able to pray for the salvation of others. We want to be able to pray for the next steps that you're wrestling with in your life. In the past, a quick side note, I've had folks write on a Connect card, listen, I want you to pray because i got option A and option B at where I should be on Wednesday night or Sunday morning, and, and I want you to pray. I want you to pray for clarity. Amen. We want to pray for that. And I'm glad that people are seeking the Lord's wisdom. Amen. He's, they're seeking his spirit of what to do. They're not just saying, I want to go over here because this is what feels comfortable to me. But where does God want me to be? Where does God need me for this season of my life? So we're to pray for others and we're to also offer what we have. We're to offer to help them in their time of need. So we're to pray for others. We're to offer what we have. We're to invite them into our lives and circles. We're to invite them to church and we're to invite them into a time of fellowship. Listen, y'all, in November when we do this barbecue dinner, that's an opportunity to invite someone to fellowship with the believers of the Lord. Amen? That's a time to invite somebody that might be far from God to say, listen, we're going to come. We want to invite you to this dinner. We're going to feed you for free. But, oh, by the way, I want you to see these awesome people that I hang out with every Sunday morning. Amen? I want you to catch a glimpse of God's glory and what he's doing at our church. So we're to pray for others. We're to offer what we have. We're to invite them into our lives and circles, and we're to nudge them. We're to encourage them on on their way. Listen, I didn't say nag. I said nudge. We're to encourage them. And lastly, we're to thank God for people that we know and meet. We're to thank God for the next steps that people have taken, that we've seen them taken, that we've helped them take, that we've noticed that they've taken. And lastly, we need to thank God for those who have invested in our walk. Amen? Are you thankful as we near November, and it's all about Thanksgiving, right? Because really Thanksgiving is not just a day, and it's not just a month. We're to live a life of Thanksgiving. Amen? And so are you thankful for those who have invested in your life? and walk. And lastly, last week we said that our message, our key word from last week was fellowship. A believer who doesn't quit fellowships with other believers. Amen? And so then we said that our central idea was this. Listen, a Christian that won't quit surrounds themselves with people who love God. A Christian that won't quit surrounds themselves with people who love God. As we saw last week, if anybody, if anybody had reason to quit, it would have been the Apostle Paul. He was, he was stoned. He was beaten. He was in prison. He was shipwrecked not once, but three times. He was on house arrest. He was persecuted. He went from being the persecutor to the persecuted. Amen. And so as we see this, if anybody was to quit, it would have been Paul. But as we saw in last week's message, he didn't quit because why? When he got there, he was surrounded by other believers. He was encouraged by other believers. And so this morning, I want you to take your copy of God's word. We're going to be in Acts chapter 28 this week and next week as well. I want you to find Acts chapter 28. Verse, we're going to read verse 17 through 29. When you found Acts 17, 28, 
verse 17. If you will, please stand in honor of reading God's holy and precious word. We will stand together and we will read together. And as you open your Bibles, my prayer is the Lord will open our minds, our ears, our eyes, and our heart. Amen? So Acts chapter 28 Verse 17 through 29. After three days, he called together the local leaders, that being Paul, of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers or believers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And when they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty. The King James says to let me go or to release me me because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and to speak with you, since it is because the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of your brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But verse 22, But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Verse 24, And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. And with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Verse 28. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Let's pray. Father God, as we have opened your word, open our hearts, open our minds. Help us to see you more clearly. Speak through me. Lord, may I decrease and you increase. For it's in your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. So as you're seated this morning, I just want to call your attention to just a few quick facts about this. And I want to unpack the text that we've looked at. You know, in verse 18, it says, When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty. When I see that, uh, there's a song that um, that talks about that. And I always think about um, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. What a great reminder. I might have to play that for you one day. Somebody remind me of that, amen? I can't remember everything. But it says there will be liberty. The King James says, well, let me go. And or release because there was no objection to the death penalty in my case. See, he wasn't just standing before them in prison just for just some little misdemeanor, but he was up against death. 
the death penalty. Then we see in verse 19, but because the Jews objected. Can I remind you that there are going to be objections in your path and in your life? And as you seek God, people are going to object of what you say and what you do. They're not going to like it. And the Jews didn't like it either. So much so, I want you to get a glimpse of what's going on here. For 30 years, the Jews had tried to hinder Paul. They had tried to undo his work. They had even tried to kill him. Now, see, we get a little persecution because somebody tells us something in church that we don't like on one Sunday morning and we're highly offended. Paul, for 30 years, he caught a glimpse of glory. The Lord saved his soul miraculously on that uh, old road and he was he was saved, amen, just like you and I can be saved by turning and putting our trust in Jesus, not in the laws of man, not in the ways of man, but in Christ and Christ alone. And so for 30 years, we need to see that Paul was trying to preach and teach and share the gospel, but the Jews were trying to hinder him. They were trying to undo his work and they were even trying to kill him. Then we see in verse 20, for this reason, therefore, I've asked you to, to see you and to speak with you since it is because the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. See, friends, he was in chains. He was a prisoner. And for the sake of the gospel, he's saying, listen, it's the hope of Israel. It's the hope of all the world. It's Jesus Christ and Christ alone that I am wearing this chain. I'm willing to wear this chain because I believe in it so. God has changed my life and I want others to know that as well. And then in verse 22, I circled this verse as I was studying this week. But we desire, we desire to hear from you what your views are. Can I remind you this morning that Paul, when he's interacting with the Jews, they didn't say, hey, we desire to hear what your pastor has to say. We desire to hear what your Sunday school teacher has to say. We desire to see what your, uh, your deacon has to say. We desire to hear what that old precious saint has to say. Amen. But what do you have to say? That, that when they're talking to Paul, we desire to hear from you. Can I remind you this morning that there are people who desire to hear about Jesus in your life? You might not think that there is, but there are. There are people who are hungry. They are searching for truth. They are searching for hope. Some of them in the bottom of a bottle. Some of them in the next hit. Someone in the next whatever. Whatever it might be. They are searching for that hope. They are searching for that high that only Christ and Christ alone may bring. Amen? And they want to know. They desire to hear what your views are. Then verse 23, when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging. So he's basically on house arrest. And listen, the text tells us, the scripture tells us, at his lodging in greater numbers. So not only did he had some interaction with other people, but then there more and more people came. And listen what scripture tells us. From morning till evening, he expounded to them. Can I remind you something? Y'all think I preached long for 35 to 40 minutes? Paul was preaching from morning till evening. Now, I'm no Paul. I am no Paul. And some of y'all, I'm surprised I didn't get an amen from that. But I am no Paul. Could I preach and teach all day long? I don't know. Some of y'all probably think that I might not shut up for all day long sometimes. I mean, just keeping it honest, keeping it real. As a pastor friend of mine used to say, tell the truth, stay in church. Right? But listen, Paul was preaching from morning till evening. And it says that he expounded, or in essence, that he carefully explained to them. 
He was testifying to the kingdom of God. And he was trying to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and the prophets. Can I tell you just a point of uh, transparency in this morning's service? I really struggled this week with that one word, convince. I really struggle with that one word, convince, because as I've told you so many times, when we do the hymn of invitation and we invite people to do business with God, I never want that to be where Chris has interjected anything. Amen? Because I believe, and so this is why I struggle with this one word, I believe that if I try to convince you, if I try to talk you into a relationship with the Lord, then guess what? Then that wasn't really the Lord. Amen? That someone else can talk you out of it. And so I'm, I struggle with this word this morning because I'm like, wait a second, God. We're not supposed to convince people. But here, Paul, like the, one of the greatest apostles ever who wrote the majority, like three-fourths of the New Testament. Here we see that he's testifying. He's trying to convince them. So can I just remind you this morning that don't focus on the minors. Focus on the majors. There are going to be things as you study Scripture that you don't understand, that you can't wrap your head around. But my friend, trust God. Amen. Keep walking. Don't get hung up on that. That's just what I believe in in this time. And as you know, as I, if I was to take a survey this morning and ask you to stand up, I bet you many of you could tell me, hey, you know, a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, how you saw something then and how God's helped you to see it now is totally different. Amen? So we need to extend grace to one another as we learn and as we grow. And so then in verse 24... We see these important words. And some were convinced or, or believed by what he said, but others disbelieved. Can I remind you this morning this, that the response and the salvation as you share the gospel, leave the response and leave the salvation experience, leave it to God. You preach and you teach and you point people to Jesus and you let God do as he wills. Amen. You don't worry about the response. You don't worry about the reaction. You don't worry about their salvation. Sure, you want your friend to be saved. You want your child to be saved. You want your husband to be saved. You want your Sunday school teacher to be saved. I'm just kidding. Might be. But you you want people to be saved. So pour out your heart to the Lord, but leave the results to him. As Paul tells us later, some people planted, some people watered, but God grew. Amen. You just be a planner. You just be a waterer. You just be an encourager. You just remind people as I was able to yesterday. I had to get up early. I don't like getting up early. Amen. I don't know about y'all. I don't, I don't like getting up early. But I got invited. And this is the thing. You're going to be invited in your life into times where you can speak truth about the gospel. Amen. And so yesterday morning they had a triathlon. And they asked me if I would say the opening prayer. And I'm thinking, okay, sure. And then when it came time, it's like, I got to be there at what time? And so, you know, I had to be there early. But then as I thought about it, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what might have happened yesterday, but I reminded them. I reminded them as I reminded you. It's on rinse and repeat in my mind. I look up into the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes to the Lord, the maker of the heaven and earth. And I told them as they run their race yesterday, as I told them as they run the race, as they run the race of life, keep looking up. And then I prayed. Now, is, could God do something with that? Sure. There might have been one person in there who maybe used to go to school, uh, Sunday school or used to go to church. Maybe they aren't where they've been in their life. Maybe they're like Rosalind where they, the, the Lord just used that to speak truth in their life. It might have fell flat. Amen? Might not have anything ever come up, but you don't know. You go out and you be obedient to the doors that God opens. Amen? And so disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul after he had made one statement, just a rich 
bit of texture there from Isaiah. And then verse 28, we see, Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, for they were listening. Friends, can I remind you this morning that we are the Gentiles that he was talking about. He, we are the Gentiles that he was talking about. Really quickly as well, if you'll notice in your bulletin, we said verse 29. You know, there is not a verse 29, but if you look in the inscriptions, probably in the bottom of your Bible, it will say verse 29 was in some text, but not in the original manuscript, so it's not included. Don't let people trip that up. Don't, I will probably come back and preach and teach a message on that. People love to pluck things like that out and say, ooh, there's errors in the Word of God. No, there's not errors in the Word of God. So there is no Acts 29, okay? It skips that, but it says in the inscription at the bottom that, that what it means there. And so don't get hung up on that. Like we've already said this morning, focus on the majors. Don't worry about the minors, amen? And so I want to remind you this, that as Paul was preaching and teaching that day, it was not a monologue, but it was a dialogue, okay? It was not a monologue, but it was a monologue. It wasn't just a long speech, It wasn't just a long sermon by one person, but there were questions. It was a conversation. It was two-way. It was a two-way conversation. See, it was a two-way conversation pointing people to a one-way salvation. Amen? It was a two-way conversation pointing people to a one-way salvation. And so this morning... I want you to see, I want you to know that a Christian who won't quit is one who faithfully shares the gospel. Who faithfully shares the gospel. And why the gospel? If you will look with me in Mark's uh, gospel, the book of Mark, the first chapter. Mark chapter 1 and verse 14. Mark chapter 1 verse 14. We see here the word of the Lord, it says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel amen believe in the gospel so I want to ask you this morning see this is one of those messages you might have been a precious saint in church your whole life you might be a new babe in Christ but what is the gospel what is the gospel In essence, it's the Christian's message about the life and the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ that brings salvation to all who believe. Not to some who believe, but to all who believes. That reminds me this week that a classmate of mine said this, It's not what you know, sorry, it's not a what, it's a who. It's not a what. It's a who. And he gave this verse of scripture as, as, a, as he was explaining. He said, Paul said in Romans 7 verse 24, he said, Who will rescue me? Who will deliver me? Who will set me free from this body of death? And in verse 25, Paul comes back and says, Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Who will rescue me? It is a who, not a what. Amen? It is Jesus. And I want to remind you this morning this. You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot introduce those who you don't know. Do you get that? You can't introduce those you don't know. If you don't know Jesus, 
you're going to have a hard time introducing him to other people. Amen? And so then, sometimes I often wonder, why are not more people introducing and pointing others to Jesus? Even in the church. Because maybe they don't know him. Maybe they knew him at some point. Maybe there was a relationship, but that relationship has been severed. That relationship was put on hold. But can I, can I remind you this, friends, this morning, that if God doesn't feel near, it's not God who moved but you. If you don't sense the presence of God, it's not God who moved. It's you. And so I want to ask you this. I want to ask you this. How has Jesus changed your heart? How has Jesus changed your heart? Be a verbal witness. I didn't just say be a witness. Be a verbal witness. You, you, the, this might be, you might be, Bill might be the only Bible that some people who work with him in the area he works at at Shaw Air Force Bay, he might be the only Bible they ever see. Amen? They might, they might not open it up, but they'll see how Bill acts. They'll see how Bill reacts. Use words. Our words are powerful. Are we using them for God's glory? So be a verbal witness. So here are three little statements that I want to give you. Here's what I was like before Jesus. Here's how I came to know Jesus. And here's what my life has been like since I met Jesus. Amen. That's the gospel. Share what you know. Share what God has done in your life. Share what God has done in your life really quickly. Really quickly. I want you to pull out the handout that I gave you this morning. And so we're centering our discussion around the Christian who won't quit. The Christian who won't quit. We've said that the Christian who won't quit is one who um, has fellowship with other believers. And then this morning we're talking about the one who faithfully shares the gospel, who shares the good news. Before we turn to our sheet, I want to read. I happened to be in my office this week up here at the church. I'm not in there much, but I was sorting through some books. And this one book, it kept getting shuffled to the top of the pile, and I picked it up. It's called Into the Fray. The story of Acts retold for today. I want to just read a portion of this. This is on the back cover. In the earliest days of the Christian church, the gospel spread out of Jerusalem in a burst of incredible stories about a man who calmed a stormy sea with a word, who healed the lame and the blind, enraged the religious leaders, and even raised people from the dead. Compare this organic, even entertaining method of spreading the good news with how we often how we are often encouraged to evangelize today with the clever arguments and our defenses up it's in the back of this book and then i read these words can i remind you as you read as you as you study not everything outside of the word of god is the gospel amen not everything you read is the gospel, because this guy, this author wrote, but the word of the, the word gospel never appears in the Bible. 
So I was like, okay, all right, that's cool. So then it goes on to say it was the original word was God's spell, which simply meant the good news or the good story. But as I read for you this morning, that's not true. The word gospel does appear. It appeared in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, amen. So I don't know what this guy was trying to prove or what he's trying to say, but that, that's not right. But does that mean that we just throw this book aside? No, because listen to what else he went on to say. The Greek word is a, um, it comes from a Greek word which means good news. This was a secular term in Greek society originally used in military matters. A messenger would run back from the front lines bringing, hopefully, the evangel or the good news about a conquering king, a success in battle, or a victory over superior forces. That's what the root of that word means. And there were side effects. There's side effects of using that. So we went on, I won't be able to share all of that, but, you know, we've dressed the good news and religious clothing. We go up to people and we say, hey, I want to tell you the gospel of Jesus Christ. What What is that? Do they know what that is? But what if we went up to him and we said, I want to tell you the good news about Jesus. Think about the world we live in. Our president talks about fake news, fake news. What does news become in our society? Do you think people could use some good news in 2019? As we look forward to 2020, do you think people could use some good news? I think they could. But listen, I just want to read this last paragraph. We've become so adept at telling people what they should believe and how they should act and placing that all in a brightly colored package that we call Christianity or the gospel or the church that we've missed the fact that there are people who do not realize that the news about Jesus is good. They think the gospel is about obligations, rules, responsibilities, giving things up, repenting of sins, going to services on Sunday, trying not to curse, and not eating chocolate at Lent. And it goes on to talk about what is the gospel? What is the good news? Can I remind you this morning that it is simply sharing about the life and the sacrificial death of Jesus? That is the gospel. That is the good news of salvation. That is the good news of salvation. Can I I ask you a favor? I want you to take this handout that I gave you. I want you to fold it neatly in half. I want you to tuck it into Acts in your Bible. I want you to close your Bibles. And I want you to look up here. I know it would be safe. You put it in Acts. You put it in the middle of your Bible. You close your Bible. It would be there. We'll revisit that next week. Amen? We'll look at this next week. We'll continue the conversation. That wasn't my original intent. Amen? This was a three-week series. Now it just became a four. Fold it in half. Put it there. And y'all look at me. We are to point others to Christ. Right? We established that last week. But listen, this week we are to proclaim Christ. We are to proclaim who He is, what He did, what He has done, and what He wants to do. Amen? 
We become a Christian who won't quit by fellowshipping with other believers. We become Christians who don't quit by finding community with other believers. Amen? Because we are not meant to do life alone. We have widows in this church. We have young people in this church. We have saints, precious saints in our church. We have children in our church. Amen? Praise God for that. But each of us are not meant to do life alone. The dear saint, the precious saint is not meant to do life alone. They're not meant to take what they, God has invested and shown them. What, what good does it do to know all of that and not impart it to those coming behind you? So can I remind you this morning, there should never, ever, ever be a shortage of people who would want, who would be nursery workers. Our children's church workers. Why? Because you know something they don't. And can I remind you this morning, I'm going to use my wife as an illustration. There may very well be that you learn about your faith through teaching those children, through teaching others. My wife grew up as a child in the Mormon church, and when we got involved in church, she dedicated her life to the Lord. She was baptized. She accepted God's gift of salvation through Jesus. And then she was asked to teach Sunday school. Do you think she felt incompetent? Do you think she felt unprepared? Inadequate? Yes. But God worked. God moved. Because of her obedience, she not only grew as a believer, but children were saved. Amen? Through the work of her and others in the children's ministry children were saved they learned about the gospel they learned about a love that christ has for them friends can i remind you this morning that the christian who won't quit is one who faithfully shares the good news with others friends it is through living a life that glorifies god and having conversations with those around us, the gospel is shared. My favorite quote, the gospel didn't come to you to stop there, but it was headed to someone else. And God wants to use you. Sir, he wants to use you. Ma'am, he wants to use you as a conduit through whom his glorious life-changing gospel would flow to other people. Amen? That's what he wants to do. And so this morning we come and we pause and we take communion. It is a means of sharing the gospel. It is a means of reminding us of who Christ is. Terry, thank you for the bulletin that you picked this morning. Look at your bulletin on the front. A communion prayer. Let this be our prayer as we begin to take communion. Lord, how can we thank you enough for your sacrifice? Do not let us take communion for granted today, but let us realize the greatness of your gift, the greatness of of your love. I want to invite you 
to take a moment as we prepare to take communion. I just want to invite you there at your seat. Is your heart right to take communion? We never want to take communion unworthily. Is there something in your life where you're holding on to something against your brother or sister in Christ? As we talked about this morning, when you harbor that hate, when you harbor that discord in your heart and in your lives, that is only destroying you. That is a stumbling block that is keeping you from being and having a clean heart and clean hands before the Lord. And so I invite you just in the stillness of this moment to just take a prayer, take a moment of prayer and to seek the Lord and to ask him to search your heart and to, con- and to confess what he points out.